Chapter Fifteen of From Tangier to Tripoli by Frank G. Carpenter. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recording by Betty B. The oldest white race of the world. The people of the Atlas Mountains are whites with features like ours, and some of them have blue eyes and red hair. Many have rosy skins and complexions so fair that if dressed in European clothes, they would not look strange in London, Paris, or New York. Others are darker from their admixture with the Arabs and Moors, but they are still a distinct people and strong enough to impress their type on their offspring. This race is scattered through the mighty mountains of northwestern Africa. It is composed of the Berbers or Kabyles, who are numbered by millions and are found everywhere in these hills. The Atlas Mountains begin opposite the Canary Islands, well down the Atlantic coast, and run from southwest to northeast for a distance of more than 1,500 miles, ending near Cape Bon, below the island of Sicily. They are longer than from Philadelphia to Omaha, and wider than the distance between Washington and New York. The region is more than one-seventh the size of the United States proper, and including the valleys, has a population of 15 millions or more. Fully one-half of these people are made up of the descendants of this white race, and if we add the tribes which have left the mountains and gone down into the lowlands and desert, the Kabyles will number still more. Toregs, the fierce brigands of the Sahara, who wear veils night and day and scour the desert on camels and rob the caravans, are of Berber origin, and so are the Biskris and others who come from far down in the Sahara to do the heavy work about the wars of the Algerian ports. There are several million Berbers in Morocco, where they have divided up into hundreds of tribes. They live in the mountains and are lawless and wild. The band of Rezuli, which kidnapped Ian Perdicaris, was one of these tribes. The Berbers are the oldest white race upon record, and if we could trace our own forefathers back to the Stone Age, we should probably find that they are our cousins. They are supposed to have come here from southern Europe, but if so, it was when Europe was savage and when our ancestors were still eating with their fingers and sleeping on skins in the wilds of the forests. Indeed, the Berbers were here when Athens was in its infancy and when Rome was yet to be born. There are records in the Egyptian temples dating as far back as 1300 years before Christ, which speak of them as having rosy cheeks, blue eyes, and red hair, and we find them fighting with the Phoenicians, the Carthaginians, the Romans, the Goths, and the Vandals. They were conquered again and again, but they fled to their fastness in the Atlas and have kept their individuality to this day. When the Arabs came, the Berbers were once more overcome. They adopted the Mohammedan religion, but modified it to suit themselves, and they have still their own ways and customs as they had in the past. The Kabyle women do not veil their faces, and a man is satisfied to have but one wife. A large number, however, have intermarried with the alien races, so that there are now among them as many brown skins as fair ones. The fierce African sun darkens the lighter-hued Kabyles in the summer until they take on the brown, roseate complexions of Italy, Spain, and South France. I have seen many of these fair-skinned Berbers or Kabyles since I came to the Black Continent. I met them first in Morocco and again in Spanish Africa, and I have found them everywhere during my travels in Algeria. 
i have spent a week in grand kabylia where they are almost the sole inhabitants and have gone from village to village investigating their customs and photographing them at work and in their homes within the last three days i have driven for more than a hundred miles through the wildest of these african mountains crossing the grand atlas chain from tizi uzu the capital of kabylia by way of fort national and michelet over a pass almost as high as mount washington and then coming down to this little town of mayo in the rich valley of the tell where i am now our road over the mountains covered a distance of about sixty-five miles it was built years ago by the french as a military highway and it is so smooth that one can go over it in an automobile indeed i was offered a car for the trip from algiers at a cost of twenty-five dollars per day but i found that i should have to pay one day's return fare for every day i used the machine making the cost really fifty dollars per diem as there was also danger of a breakdown in the mountains i concluded to hire a carriage instead this i got for fifteen dollars a day i had an arab driver and three horses hitched up abreast and the carriage travel enabled me to make my way leisurely from point to point now stopping at a village and now at the little fields where the cabiles were working this road over the atlas is a wonderful piece of civil engineering it goes along the sides of the cliffs and has been actually cut out of the rocks in places the drop to the valley below is something like two thousand feet at times when a caravan of camels passed by us each beast loaded with two great long bags of barley which tripled its width we had to stop for fear we might be crowded over the rocks and dashed to pieces in the valley below at other times we met droves of donkeys which their cabile owners had to bring down to single file to enable us to pass and again companies of berbers with loads on their backs who walked in the same order the road is a limestone pike with frequent stone culverts and now and then bridges of stone and iron away up on the top of the atlas there is a tunnel which has been blasted through the rock and at the very top of the pass we went through a deep cut made for the road along the whole way are piles of broken stone showing that repairs are going on all the time and there are guard houses at every few miles where the men who take care of the road are stationed this pass is in fact a military highway and enables france to control the whole surrounding region the cabiles are among the most insurrectionary of the population of algeria like the swiss they live in the mountains and have the same love of freedom in eighteen seventy one when france had its war with germany some of these mountain tribes revolted and an army of them marched on algiers they were defeated by the french and since then no cabile or other native except in certain wild districts is allowed to have arms another reason for denying arms to the cabiles of the atlas is the fact that these people are much given to deadly feuds among themselves at fort national i found a battalion of zouaves about eight hundred strong the town itself is fortified in such a way that its guns command the many villages on the neighboring peaks on my way to tizi uzu i passed several regiments of french soldiers on the march and i could easily see how an army of them with a road like this could keep the people in order i found most of the cabiles friendly 
the contrast between them and their brothers in morocco being most striking before i describe my visits to the kabyle villages i want to tell you something about the mighty mountains which form their homes i have traveled through the alps the himalayas the andes and the rockies each has its own grandeur the same is true of these lofty african mountains which in many respects have scenery surpassing that of any other range of the world the air here is as clear as that on the high plateau of bolivia and one can see as far as on lake titicaca the sun is so bright that where it strikes the fleecy white clouds it paints patches of navy blue velvet on the slopes below these high atlas peaks rise from the plain in rugged majesty they roll over each other with great canyons and gorges and may be seen a hundred miles or more away cutting the blue sky of the horizon they are of as many colors as the mountains of colorado and in places are quite as ragged and rocky almost everywhere they are cultivated high above the line of fertility of the hills of other countries their sides are cut up into patches of all shapes some of which are no bigger than a parlor rug about these patches are stone walls or hedges or sometimes furrows or ditches some have fruit trees growing in them but more often only bunches of scrub among which the grain has been planted each of these little patches is a cabile farm nearly every family owns some land to which it clings as its dearest possession the men cultivate their little crops making what they can from them and then go down into the lowlands to work for the french farmers to piece out their incomes along the lower slopes of the atlas there are many big orchards but these are owned mostly by the french they are walled off from the road by hedges of cactus in which dried thorn bushes have been twined to make a barrier impassable for man or beast there are also olive orchards and almost everywhere even high up in the mountains are groves of wild olive trees with now and then a forest of the evergreen oak the bark of which furnishes our cork others of the mountains especially the slopes facing the valley of the tell are covered with scrubby oaks with light green leaves an inch long and of much the same shape as those of a rose-bush the trees are nothing like the grand oaks of america but nevertheless they bear acorns which feed numerous hogs many of these oaks are trimmed of their branches every year in order that the twigs and limbs may be used for fuel i am told that it is against the law to cut the trees down to the ground and that most of the charcoal and firewood of algeria are made from these switches they are used by the bakers the bread of a great part of algeria being baked by them as one climbs up the atlas mountains the views widen so that the whole world seems spread out below one can see so far that panoramas from such mountains as the alps dwindle by comparison the ragged hills stretch away for hundreds of miles on every side and in the winter when the atlas is covered with snow the views must be beyond expression magnificent i saw one sunset at the very top of the pass which will remain in my memory as among the most wonderful of the cloud paintings of my life during the day the sirocco had been blowing its hot blast from the desert and the sun had been hidden when it set the sky was full of clouds which it gilded with a hundred roseate hues we were high up on the mountain pass with great masses of fleecy gold overhead and beneath us the mountains took on all tints and shades 
their sides becoming a patchwork of many colors which we saw through a thin golden veil on some hills the veil was a delicate lavender on others a snow-white tinged with rose pink as the sun disappeared a band of royal purple ran around the foot of the mountain peaks while there were bands of burning copper above and below but far the most striking feature of the whole of these atlas scenes is the human interest which shines out of their every picture the Kabyle villages are everywhere there are thousands of them in the algerian mountains every great hilltop is spotted with them and they cap all the lower peaks right on the tops of the hills the people build their little huts of stone and plaster with roofs of red tile the walls are whitewashed so that every town makes a great patch of white and red on the landscape the villages are usually far off the road and are reached only by mule paths i climbed up and visited some of them one was entered by a gate forming a sort of loafing place for the gowned bronzed-faced turban citizens passing through this i was in the midst of the settlement the houses stand close together built along narrow streets with no pavements of any kind they are all of one story and look more like stables than homes the doors are rude although some have carving upon them they open into a court upon which are sometimes two houses both facing the street the average house is about fifteen feet square with a ridge roof which is seldom more than twelve feet in height at the comb here in the atlas these roofs are of red tile but in other places they are of thatch the houses are entered by doors as rough as those in the walls of the courts the homes are absolutely without ornamentation they have no windows and except through a little hole about a foot square under the roof at one end have no light but that which comes in at the door let me give you a picture of one of these berber homes which i visited yesterday my dragoman emmanuel zamet who speaks the Kabyle language acted as my interpreter and through him the owner gave us permission to enter we had tried at several other houses but the women ran from us as though we had the plague and the boys slammed the court doors in our faces like all mohammedans the Kabyles are jealous allowing their women to have nothing to do with strange men in this case both husband and wife were at home for the man was more liberal than most of his kind he did not introduce us to his wife but she was with him in the hut and as usual unveiled she had a baby at her breast while a half dozen more small children were sprawling over the floor indeed we had to step carefully at first for fear of trampling a baby but as our eyes became accustomed to the darkness we got along very well in this house there was no sign of what we call furniture there were neither chairs nor tables the members of the family were sitting around a pile of figs which they were sorting as we entered at meals they sit on the floor and eat squatting about the single bowl which usually contains the main dish of each meal they eat most things with their fingers and often break up bread and soak it in the soup or stew they have meat about once a week but their chief diet consists of fruit and of bread made of wheat or other grain they grind their meal themselves sometimes in the family mill and sometimes in one belonging to the village in common in a little home like this the winter supplies of the family are stored one of the receptacles i noticed was a stone jar for figs with a hole in the bottom to allow the juice to run out 
another was a larger vessel of the same material for wheat or corn the latter would hold perhaps twenty bushels there was also a large clay jar for the olive oil made on the little home farm and pressed out by the family when i asked where the cooking was done the woman pointed to a hole in the floor in one corner of the hut the floor is the bare rock so that there is no danger of fire as i looked about me i heard a sheep bleating apparently right under my feet turning quickly around i saw a long-horned ram and a nanny goat looking at me from under a shelf at the back of the hut this shelf was the chief sleeping place of the family while the space below it served as a stable there were some chickens in the same place and at night the donkeys and other animals belonging to the family are brought in and all sleep together these cabile sheep are tame following their masters from place to place like dogs the people have many sheep which they pasture on the mountains in one common flock watched by a shepherd the sheep and goats are brought into town every night as soon as they enter the village each runs for its own home and remains there until morning some of these cabile women are fine-looking the wife of my host was about twenty and would have been considered pretty in any crowd of american maidens her cheeks were rosy and her features as regular as those of the venus de medici she wore a dress of bright red calico which came almost to her feet but still showed the thick silver rings about her bare ankles she had heavy earrings and bracelets around her neck was a chain to which many ornaments were hung and her breast was covered with great pins of white metal set with bright colored stones i should say that she had at least two pounds of jewelry upon her her eyelids were blackened to add to her beauty like nearly all the cabile women i have seen she was also tattooed on the cheeks and on the forehead and the chin although even the poorest of the women of cabalia wear more or less jewelry many are ragged those who go through the streets have their skirts so pulled up that they show a large expanse of bare calf i see them doing all sorts of hard labor they carry water from the village well in clay jars they gather the wood needed for cooking and not a few labor out in the fields indeed their situation makes one think of the vaudeville song oh the women do the work do the work while the men do the standing around or of that other sweet and well-known ditty everybody works but father the cabile men are a strange combination of thriftiness and laziness i saw many of them loafing about the streets while the women passed by loaded with all sorts of burdens when at home they let their wives do as much as they will yet they hire themselves out to the french farmers of the tell to aid in planting and harvesting the crops they are cumulative saving almost all their wages and many of them amass small fortunes of a few hundred dollars or so indeed these people have many qualities which distinguish them from the arabs and moors by whom they are surrounded their white blood crops out in their desire for independence and self-government they are ruled by the french but regulate local matters themselves each town is a little republic with its own council and a public meeting-house where town affairs are discussed it has its own municipal laws and elects its own officials each village has a mosque and a school the school is supplied with teachers by the french and the children are taught to speak and write french as well as arabic the mosques are rude affairs but the cabiles go to them regularly 
and face mecca as they pray they are naturally religious though they have changed the mohammedan faith to suit themselves and have their own ideas of morals right and justice end of chapter fifteen